BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Here's my favorite rant for the day, excerpted from our podcast, which you can find over at TomHartman.com. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you back from Cuba, or Cuba, or whatever you want to call it. That was a fascinating week. We, I, Louise and I went with a group from Code Pink. Uh, Code Pink uh, sponsors, uh, through a company called Proximity Tours, uh, a couple of these a year, and we just you know, uh, uh, Medea about a year ago had invited us to go on one, and we were not able to at that time. That was back last September. And so when this one came along, I was like, yeah, cool. And in fact, there were four or five people on the trip uh, who, who heard me talk about it on the air and signed up for the trip. And we met some great people, some new friends, and, and uh, just had a wonderful time. Um, uh, if you have been to Cuba, uh, or if you feel that you know a lot about Cuba and you'd like to discuss it. I want to talk about that in our first hour today, although we're going to try uh, later on in the week. I've got several, I've got three hours of interviews and videotape and all kinds of stuff that we need to boil down. So later in the week or maybe next week, uh, we're going to actually do a show specifically about our, our trip to Cuba, you know, kind of our, our travelogue thing. But um, I just want to share with you some of my observations and and, uh, you know, uh, and particularly if you've been there, and, and I know that there were uh, a lot of Americans who went uh, during the, what, year and a half, two years, or maybe it was a little less than that, that, that President Obama had loosened all the travel restrictions. Um, just to be clear, by the way, uh, if anybody from the State Department is listening, um, we did not go as tourists. It is not legal for Americans to go to Cuba as tourists. We went on this people-to-people -to -people tour literally every day from 9 o'clock in the morning till around 5 or 6 in the afternoon. We were uh, going to the colleges, going to the agricultural stations, going to the university, uh, you know, uh, going to uh, craft, you know, businesses. I mean, it was basically get to know the country. Um, it's kind of ironic because if you're Cuban, you can go anywhere in the world and do anything you want. If you're an American and you go to Cuba and you go hang out on the beach and have a vacation, you can get in big trouble. Maybe go to jail. I don't know. But uh, we were told you are not, you know, the, it is not legal for you to vacation here. We did not, we did not vacation, uh, which is kind of weird. It would have been nice to have a day on the beach, but I never even got near the beach. So uh, what I learned, you know, that, that uh, the Cuban Revolution was initially, Fidel was a lawyer, Che was a doctor. I mean, they, this was, these were people who, who had some, some, uh, some privilege, some considerable privilege in the, in the country. But, 
but uh, under the Batista regime, basically the mafia and, and what today we would refer to as the billionaires uh, owned and ran Cuba, and they, they overthrew them and said, we're going to create a society without billionaires, and in fact, without multimillionaires. A couple of the things that, one, one of the things that really struck me, um, in all the time we were there, we were there for a week and we traveled all over Havana and we went a little outside of Havana once, but almost all our time was in Havana. And uh, I saw one beggar all the time I was there. And there's this huge, uh, an old warehouse with, with probably 200 stalls in it uh, with individual you know, people, the small businesses where they're selling things that they've made, a lot of art, uh, you know, uh, just all kinds of cool stuff, you know, Cuban cigars, whatever. And, um, you know, it's, an, it's one of their experiments in, in, um, in capitalism, as it were. And uh, the one beggar I saw had perfect teeth. Everybody had perfect teeth. I mean, I, I literally, I didn't see anybody with teeth that looked like, you know, they were having a problem with their teeth. And I was like, well, what's this is, what, you know, I've, I, I, you know, <laughs> You, this is this is not West Virginia, right? This is not, or I, I don't mean to pick on West Virginia. This is not Michigan. This is not America. Uh, you know, it's uh, because our, you know. So anyway, I, I asked our tour guide, and he was like, "Well, yeah, you know, dental care. Your teeth are part of your body. You, you know, we have free medical care here, and that includes free dental care. So everybody goes to the dentist. Everybody, um, which was kind of cool. Uh, school is free." Uh, it's compulsory through through the ninth grade, and then if you're if you're going to go to college or into a trade school uh, from nine to from ninth to twelfth, uh, it's all free. Ninth to twelfth, you can you do that and you prepare for your exams and everything. And then if you can pass the exams to get into college, college is free. And in fact, uh, you know they've got sixty five thousand doctors in Cuba. Uh, it's one of their principal exports is doctors. Um, I didn't see anybody who was morbidly obese. It was not like, you know, just like walking into a Denny's here in the United States. Um, uh, people looked healthy. Um, in fact, one of the people I was speaking with said, you know, we're really concerned that as the economy opens up, and particularly if the embargo is overdone, you know, done away with, that uh, as fast food comes to Cuba, obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, all the things associated with fast food may be coming to uh, Cuba t as well. And, and uh, probably the best solution to that is to educate people about the dangers of those kind of foods, but anyhow. Also, if you graduate from college, you're guaranteed a job. The, the government is the, uh, is the employer of last resort. In fact, broadly, you're guaranteed a job. It's considered a right. Um, the food was great. Uh, their, their diet is, you know, it's very, very Spanish slash European slash Argentinian kind of, you know, it's not a good place uh, to easily find a meal as a vegetarian, but, uh, you know, and so the first day or two we were there, I ate fish and, and uh, cheese. But then after that, I discovered that I could just say, just leave off the fish or just leave off the, the pork or beef, because those were typically the choices, or chicken. And uh, I'll take the vegetables. Um, and, and it was fine. It was a lot of good food. And uh, we ate at some of the new little restaurants that are, you know, in, in people's homes. Uh, maximum 50, 50 seats. Uh, there was a piece in the New York Times that I was reading a couple days ago about how Cuba's cracking down on capitalism. And what was happening is they're trying to keep small businesses, they're trying to keep from having a big business problem. And so, you know, basically they said, you, your family, you may uh, turn part of your house, your, your rooftop, your backyard, your living room, whatever you want, 
into a restaurant or into some other kind of small business, but not for more than 50 people. So you can serve 50 people. So what started happening was, uh, you know, mom and dad would get a divorce, so they were separate entities, and then mom would get a permit for 50, and dad would get a permit for 50, and junior would get a permit for 50, and, uh, you know, Aunt Ethel would get a permit, and pretty soon you got 200 people in, in and, and at that point the government says, no, no wait a minute, we're, you know, we're getting, we're moving down the road toward Walmart, this isn't going to happen. So that's, that's my understanding of what's going on. Keep in mind, None of this is coming from an authoritative source. I, I was there for a week, um, but I'm just telling you what I saw, what I learned. The hotel we stayed in, uh, the Vedado, uh, which is a, a region, it's the, one of the older parts of uh, Havana, was a, uh, what here might be kind of like a, a comfort inn. It was a very inexpensive hotel. The Code Pink trips are uh, a lot less expensive than some of the, some of the other ones. Um, but it was nice. It was clean. The, the food was, was good. The breakfast was, the buffet was spectacular. Um, the other thing was the people. You know, there's just this sense, Louise and I have, you know, we used to own a travel agency. Uh, and and uh, so for the four years, five years, however long it was that we owned the travel agency, we could go anywhere in the world for 25% of the normal uh, cost of a ticket. And, and usually hotels would put us up for free. And so we, we took full advantage of that. And, one of the, and, and we've been around the world many, many times. And one of the things that we've always said is that the two friendliest places on earth, in our experience, and we've been in, I don't know how many countries, um, but uh, the two friendliest countries in the world were Ireland and Thailand. In Ireland and Thailand, everyone is your best friend. I mean, it's just, they're, they're just very, the culture itself is very outgoing. I add now to that list, Cuba. People were wonderful. Um, there was... Uh, the streets were safe. At night, you could walk around. Uh, there was no problem with crime. Uh, there, I, I only, it was only on the last day we were there, I even saw a police officer. And he didn't have a gun, he had a billy club. And so, anyhow, I've got more on my list here. Uh, I will continue my stories about Cuba, and then I'll pick up your calls in just a minute. We'll be right back. So I just got back from a week in Cuba, and we had a fascinating discussion about it on today's program. That Stephanie Kelton was on, uh, Professor Steph Stephanie Kelton, the economist, talking about the death of neoliberalism. Dino Badala, talk show host on Sirius XM, on, on Sirius XM Progress 127, about the Nazi squastikas carved into the magazines of the Parkland shooters' guns. An amazing show. You can check it out. Uh, yeah, our our commercial-free podcasts are at TomHartman.com and clips from the show you can find here on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. 